This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide our listeners with some really good facts, some really good information so that you can make really good decisions. And this morning, we're going to be going over a few market stats, which maybe right now is a little bit more telling or more interesting than normal because we are in a definite, well, we're all sheltered in place. So how is that affecting the numbers? And to help me dissect these numbers and come up with everything is Mr. Craig Barton. He's a broker at Valley Wide Home Loans and Real Estate. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Don. How are you doing, buddy? Great. Uh, this guy, he's one of my favorite guests, so I'll remember, we'll see if all our listeners do what you <laughs> no, all think. No pressure, Don. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, no pressure. I, but see, I know you can handle the pressure. Oh, good. Thank you. All right. And back in the uh, studio, we also have Bobby Thistle, our board operator. Yeah, he's waving to everybody. Missed a couple of three weeks there, huh? Yes, he did. All right. He's back. And uh, and by the way, you did not have anything like COVID-19. No. <laughs> uh, although it might have been a little easier than uh, knee surgery. <laughs> okay. Hey, anyway... Craig, um, how long you been in the business anyway? Oh my gosh, in lending since 1993. Um, got my salesperson's license in 97, became a broker in 2000. So about 32 minutes. <laughs> All right. What's the difference between a real estate broker and a real estate sales license? Um, well, it's uh, additional testing and experience, possibly, I mean, as well as education. And it gives you the ability to be able to... Uh, um, have other people work for you. In other words, other salespeople will actually work for you. Mm-hmm. Simply put. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. So uh, if you're licensed just as a salesperson, you have to work under the supervision broker. of a broker, yep. but a broker can supervise themselves and others. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's talk about some local statistics and th- it's important to be local because you hear things on the news that the markets drop. Uh, the market's in a slide. Right. Uh, the market is tailing off. And I've I've even heard statistics of thirty nine percent. But locally, uh, that's not what we're seeing. No, not the case at all, for sure. Now, w- one thing I think we can agree on: it's lower than than what we expected or wanted for this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but lower. Hey, every year you're going to either be lower or higher, right, one, right. one of the two. Right. Um, I'm going to throw something out there that I think is a little mind-boggling. So I've been keeping statistics on a daily basis on a um, little tool that our Fresno Multiple Listing Service has called the 24-Hour Market Watch. And um, so going back to the last full week of March. Um, 
so March 23rd through the 27th, there was 241 new listings that came out that week. Now, that number means nothing unless you compare it to something. Right. So let's compare it to the week that just ended yesterday. Actually, the number of new listings that came on is 263. So it's up slightly. Um, what is that? 22? Yep, 22. Mm-hmm. All right. Being your broker, I relied on you for those numbers. <laughs> My fourth grade math skills are, are show. <laughs> hey, taking that broker's exam is not easy. Oh, no. Oh, no, man, no. there was some math questions in there. And way back when I did it, you couldn't use a calculator. Right, right. It is a barrier of entry for some people. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say this, but it was for me, too, for, yeah. the, for the first couple times I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> And then I, I had to remember to way back to college. Oh, yeah, you got to study for right. this stuff. Right, yeah, well, it's critical. In, in fact, the, the, when I finally passed it, it's because I decided to leave town, go to Sacramento, rented a Motel 6, and at that time there were no TVs and no telephones in the room. Right. So I was holed up there for 48 hours before the test. Cram right before the exam, yeah. right? When I stayed home, I, I just stayed too busy and couldn't. Too many, dis- too many distractions, right? That's right. <laughs> okay, so we have more new listings that came out. Now, that doesn't mean active listings. That means brand new ones that just came on the market. So you actually have more sellers wanting to enter the market. Uh, are you Which seeing is, that? Yeah, it's an interesting stat, Don, because, um, of course, there's going to be people that are going to be reluctant. Um, and of, of course, there's going to be sellers that I think are going to be misinformed. First thing that people look at, uh, and, and granted, this is uncharted territory. Even Lee Brands yesterday on his his announcement said, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I left. I don't have a handbook on how to manage things uh, during a pandemic. This is uncharted territory. This is new for all of us. Um, I think it's really, really interesting that there that sellers are continuing to have confidence, and whether it's they're just tired of you know sheltering at home or tired of doing anything and potentially moving on, they're making the decision to to list their property. You know, demand from what I feel, uh, inventory is slightly lower in Fresno County. Single family residences uh, were under 1,100 active listings, which is less than one and a half months active inventory. Um, we are low, but what helps to create demand or continue to keep demand so high, unlike the last great recession, is um, the, the uh, interest rate environment is so amazing right at the moment. Um, this is the time of the year where more sellers contemplate moving on. Um, it is literally the best time of year to be able to to sell if you're a seller. And the, the, the stats continue to show that based upon the number of new active listings. Mm-hmm. And you bring out a good point about the interest rates because it's not always just one factor that makes the pendulum swing. Absolutely not. Consumer confidence and and consumers' confidence in what they can afford um, is so affected by multiple variables, and interest rates is a big part of it. Wow. I'm glad you said that just now. Consumer confidence in what they're able to afford. So I've been scratching my head the last month Mm -hmm. saying, okay, for the longest time, I've always said I would rather have consumer confidence versus lower interest rates. Yeah. You know, if you had, so I've been a believer in that and it's like, well, consumer confidence can't be very high right now. 
but you hit the nail on the head. It's consumer confidence in what you can afford. Sure, I think it blurs the lines in a positive way for for us and as far as the market's concerned. Mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, one of my renters yesterday, and he was saying, you know, that we're going to be calling you soon. We 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 want to start looking yeah, to yeah. buy a home. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want you to know, I love having you here in this home, but I'm a believer in home ownership, and yep. you should. Yep, yep. And I kind of helped draw the path. And I said, besides that, I mean, I think my rents are a little bit low. <laughs> However, the interest rates are really low. Yeah, sure. You're going to find you could buy this same house for almost the same payment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Helps so, a lot of folks have a lot. And of then I used my sure. good line on them. I said the best form of rent control is home ownership. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, a thirty-year really fixed-rate mortgage. You yep. know what your payment's going to be in the year twenty forty. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> now here, here's the very telling, telling one is pendings. So, so what that people put their home on the market? What if they can't sell them? Right. Well, in that same week, at the end of March. 205 homes went pending. This past week, 287. Mm-hmm. That's a significant rise in activity. Yeah, certainly is. It, it, you know, um, statistics um, are, are, you just hit it right on the head, is statistics help to show us trends, as long as the data isn't so, so lagging and it, it just takes time to get to us. But uh, in this situation, it shows that People are people are confidently people are still out looking to buy, um, and a lot of this demand I think is pent up from you know prior to March 16th or whenever we originally got the initial stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and honestly, the sooner this wraps up, most economists say I, I follow Barry Habib with uh, MBS Highway, and um, he's a great great resource. And he says that whenever they've seen historically something as far as a, uh, a quick death, excuse me, a pandemic or something like this, Mars, SARS, or SARS, or, excuse me, I screwed that up, um, mm-hmm. SARS, MERS, um, that the economic dip is quick, but the economic bounce off the bottom is just as quick, if not quicker. So I think what this is showing us is that, uh, you know, as far as the housing market's concerned, uh, there's not going to be a dip. F- folks, are con- folks are interested to hear that, oh, my gosh, we've seen a dip in housing prices because every seller wants top of the market, but most importantly, every buyer wants a deal. Well, what I, I hate to say this as far as the buyers are concerned, but get while the getting's good because there's not going to be a, a softening from what I hear, there's not going to be a softening as far as housing prices are concerned at all. Maybe a slight slowing as far as appreciation is concerned, but that's about it. The Mm -hmm. moment that we get, and I say through this, which again, this is all so uncharted, but the moment that we get through this and pick up some confidence, um, you're not going to see a slowing. Uh, You're going to see a slowing as far as appreciation, but not a huge dip as far as housing prices at all. Off the numbers for a moment. Mm Mm-hmm. How has your time of day been the the last month? Are you staying just as busy as you were? Ab- absolutely busy. Busy. Um, if my wife's listening, she can she can <laughs> she can definitely concur. You know, I there's been nights where I'm at the office till seven thirty eight o'clock, and um, uh, other nights, um, you know, I'm able to get off a little bit earlier. But the demand is still there, um, and it it helps as well because. 
I'm a mortgage originator as well as a real estate broker. And it's probably, real estate is probably 60% of what I do and mortgage is probably 40% consistently. Uh, whereas now, uh, with with mortgage rates being in the, the very low threes, and there was a time beginning of March where uh, 30-year fixed rate mortgage with loan to values less than 80% and a credit score of 720 or higher, we were down at two and three quarters on a 30-year, two and a half um, on a 15-year. The market got super volatile right after that. And now we've really settled down and we're back in those, you know, in that ballpark. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it's super busy, Don, for sure. Okay. Now, for anybody out there who's saying, yeah, but so what that pendings are way up, I'll bet they're all falling out of escrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's and, not and, the case. No, it's not. And once again, here are the local numbers from the Fresno Multiple Listing Service. So I tracked back on the markets. So that's something that goes into escrow, falls out, and is back on the market. That, f- that last week of March, 102 back on the markets. Um, this past uh, week, 71. And, you know, a lot of those back on the markets, Don, could have been simply this because uh, the second, third week of March, um, there were tons, ton- and I say literally tons of folks, uh, that because of the volatility in the mortgage markets, what happened was is that if your loan was not locked, then uh, many wholesalers, many retailers would put in uh, different thresholds. In other words, if you could, if you had a 590 credit score, you could get an FHA loan, not an issue, as long as you got an approved eligible. But in order to protect themselves because of all the potential, we've had how many uh, first-time unemployment insurance claims? Over 30 million in the mm-hmm. last six weeks. So what they were doing is is that uh, lenders were increasing the minimum credit score requirement up to 660 or 680 on an FHA loan uh, to protect themselves from delinquencies, forbearance, uh, first payment defaults. Um, it was it was amazingly pro- uh, problematic. So this stat at the end of March 27th, that week of 102 back on market, could have been to a certain degree as a result of those lenders in, basically helping to protect themselves. So what I'm hearing from you is that maybe our entire industry is stabilizing a bit. Absolutely. The dust has settled in the last three weeks, primarily from a bottom line is, you know, what percentage of transactions or cash transactions in the Fresno Association? And it's a smaller, smaller piece of it. Um, so if you had government financing and the government market was super, super volatile, but until the Federal Housing and Finance Agency stepped in literally within the last two weeks and said, your exposure as a servicer, servicers have to make payments to the inv- underlying investor if they don't receive payments, even if they don't. So obviously 30 million um, unemployment or in excess of 30 million causes a, a potentially a, a huge problem for servicers. FHFA came out within the last two weeks and said, we're going to limit your exposure to four months. Mm-hmm. Still, still a problem for servicers when you're talking those types of numbers or a potential problem for servicers. So the dust is settling, starting to normalize, um, and uh, it, it appears that everything's headed in the right direction as far as mortgage markets and financing is concerned. Okay, and when we get back from our first commercial break, we're going to talk more about this and maybe that, that oh, I was going to say the F word, forbearance <laughs> <laughs> right. or forgiveness for, yeah. Not a free ride. Uh, okay, we will be talking about that when we get back. Thank you very much. 
Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here with us is Craig Barton, broker owner of Valley White Home Loans and Real Estate. And um, you bring an interesting perspective, Craig, because you do lending and sales. Right. And so what is, we talked about forbearance. Mm-hmm. That's a big word out there it's right now. It's a buzzword now. right at the moment. Yeah. Um, what? What what's what does that do to a buyer a borrower? Yeah, well, for forbearance number one, it it isn't a uh, it isn't a free lunch. Um, what you're doing is you're basically uh, the what the servicers are telling you is if you're eligible and you've been impacted economically uh, because of this virus, that you may have the ability to qualify for forbearance. Now, what they also say is that at the end of this typically three month period. Uh, you're supposed to contact them back and determine what's the way that you're going to be able to pay them back. And it's typically one of three ways. It's either put on the end of the loan. So if you skip three payments, it's going to be placed at the end of the loan. Um, Or those three payments are going to be split up over a certain period of time until you can pay them back. And it might be 12 months as an example. So basically you take three payments divided over 12 and then it's added to your existing payment. Um, uh, so the, the problem there is, is that if you're wanting to, and it's, and it's really super ironic because I was meeting with a client this week on a purchase, uh, of a second home. And when I was going through his docs, I noticed that there was a, a comment, um, at the, at the top of the mortgage billing statement that said no payments, uh, April, May, and June. Well, what also people don't understand, depending upon how it's going to be reported to the credit report. Um, and they are saying that there's not going to be any derogatory that's reported to the credit report uh, because you're in forbearance. Uh, but if it is determined, which it will be, because whenever you go to apply for a mortgage and you have an existing mortgage, uh, every underwriter is going to require an updated mortgage rating through the month of closing. So last payment made is March. Well, let's say you skip April and May, when the underwriter, one of the conditions is going to be updated mortgage rating on your Wells Fargo or Chase mortgage, and it says it is in forbearance, that loan is automatically turned down. So mm-hmm. there, there are consequences. So it's, it's important that people don't take forbearance lightly. Um, and if you can make your payments, make your payments. I think it's important that our consumers understand the difference between forbearance and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Two totally different things. Forgiveness means that exactly that. It's forgiven. Forbearance just means putting off, putting it at a, at a distant time. But in the lending world, mm-hmm. specifically the mortgage world, yeah. forgiveness, can it have bad repercussions? I mean, uh, is it going to show on the credit report that the lender had to write off? That's really a good question because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the last word that you just said was write off. Um, if there is some sort of for, forgiveness, um, just like as an example, I had another client that I was working with recently, and they had a timeshare. Well, what what folks don't understand is that timeshares um, show up as installment debts, but also at times show up as a mortgage debt as well. So if you go belly up or stop paying on a timeshare, it's a mortgage delinquency. And a mortgage delinquency, uh, if it goes to foreclosure and, let's say, gets written off, the the servicer is going to send you a 1099 for for the write off so you've got to claim that 
that debt that's been written off on your your tax returns. Whoa, that's a that's a big one because mm-hmm. I remember just a few years back during the short sale era, yep. uh, that ten ninety nine was a big deal. So the lender would say, "Okay, well, to allow you to sell the home, we're going to take a short payoff, yep. even though you owed two hundred and fifty. We're going to take a payoff of two hundred. Sure, but that." wasn't that easy yeah that fifty thousand dollars that they forgave right was sent to you as a as a 1099 which means you now have to pay income tax on that yep and given your circumstances it could make a bad problem even worse sure so let's say you're in the between state and local you're paying a third 33 percent uh fifty thousand dollars that's 17500 Right. It throws things out of whack in a big way. See, I skipped fourth grade math, but I remember sixth grade math. I don't get that one. <laughs> fourth grade was a blur, right? <laughs> it was. Too much fun back then. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so who should, who should people contact to find out what they should do? Forbearance, forgiveness, or even should they apply for it? Yeah, I mean, bottom line is, if you can, and I understand, this is, again, it's uncharted territory for us. Um, So many folks have been affected in such a short period of time, and they've lost their jobs. Uh, Bottom line, and it's, this is easier, way easier said than done. Number one, contact your servicer because they are responsible by law. And that's one of the things that we've learned after this last economic downturn that started in 2007 is that. Um, they have a responsibility to help the consumer and far greater responsibility now than they did um, or even realized starting back in 2007. So contact your servicer. Having said that, it's not that easy because especially when you started hearing about forbearance and, and hearing about that it was potentially an option for, for consumers, uh, you'd get on the phone and uh, it was, and I heard stories all the time that folks, uh, you know, I was on hold or um, the message with Chase was go to our website or the message was due to high call volumes, you know, your your phone call will be answered, you know, and it, it was just horrible as far as the amount of time. I think the dust has begun to settle. Um, I think the writing on on the wall is on the wall for some folks as to whether they uh, they need to apply or, you know, there's, there's, greater certainty as far as their employment's concerned so but number one contact your servicer all right excellent um and you know a lot of people have to do the soul searching can i really make this payment yeah absolutely it, it, because the answer is you, sh- you should because you're going to probably do it eventually yeah um whether it be through forbearance which is a deferral yep or is it um, even if it's forgiven, it could have some negative impact. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll say you you should make it if you can. Yeah, sure. And this is not us being unsympathetic because I'm sure there's mm-hmm. people that are listening that are going, my gosh, you know, this is um, I the last market crash. Um, I had pushed all my chips to the center of the table, um, had expanded really aggressively, and it it hurt. It was extremely humbling. Um, it was cataclysmic as far as our company was concerned. We had 12 offices from Merced to Visalia. We were a mortgage banker. We were a real estate company um, and literally had to downsize to one office about the size of this radio studio. Um, and so it was, it was horrible. And so I get it. 
Um, fortunately, I'm blessed and in a different situation now, but for those folks that are experiencing hardships, contact your servicer, and they, they are responsible by law to give you options. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And when we get back from our next commercial break, we're going to talk more about how to buy and sell in this new era. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino your host on the Valley's Most Informative Real Estate Talk Show. And today we have one of our most informative guests, Craig Barton. Oh, that's way too kind, Jen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. And it's funny, the, the intro music was Put Me In, Coach. And just before that, you had said Jimmy LaPeter, who is a real estate coach, yep. texted you and said to say hello to me. Yep, he sure did. All right. Hello, Jimmy. Hopefully you're listening. He's all the way down in Anaheim. Yep. And, uh I, I did a little baseball road trip last year. I, I did, what was it, um, six different ball games in, in in 10 days. And Jimmy and I went and saw the Angels and the Red Sox. Nice. Yeah. I kind of did Southwestern United yeah. States. Yeah. Okay. So one of the best, nah, maybe even the greatest hitter in all of baseball, Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. Um I know that's going to draw a little controversy, (laughs) (laughs) but the guy could hit. You got to admit that Um, he used to have a thing called visualization actualization that he said he walked up to the batter's box and he would try to visualize in his mind what was going to actually happen. And he would look for that pitch where he could you know, uh, put the line drive into the gap in right center field. Right. Well, uh, he just, so he had to visualize it. So Craig, I'd like you to help all our listeners visualize how does a seller go about listing their home right. in today's market? Right. What does it look like? I think to where know, they can get a hit. Yeah. Where they can get a hit. Exactly. Uh, a fruitful, uh, exit strategy by actually selling their home. Right. Yeah. I think it's really important. You know, Folks have to be, um, and this is what I preach to my agents, uh, we've got to be respectful of the consumer, number one. So as far as the seller's concerned, first and most important thing for us, the market's, the market's been fueled by so many great things as of late over the last you know, 16 or 12 to 18 months. Um, demand is super high. So selling their home, as long as the, as long as the strategy, the pricing strategy is on point, um, I think is the easy part. The, the harder part is just being respectful of your sellers and determining what their desires are, what, what, and when I say desires, obviously the, the exit strategy is like I had mentioned is to sell their home, but being respectful of them in terms of uh, do they want people in their house? And um, obviously with, uh, with video and the internet, and uh, we can do virtual tours. I've seen that much, much more uh, where it says maybe the seller doesn't want people in their home uh, and the agent needs to do, uh, has done a virtual tour that helps consumers see inside. And then the offer is written subject to, still subject to inspection. Uh, because the buyer needs the uh, you know needs to be able to be in the house and picture themselves living in that house or buying that house and living in that house. So, 
I think most importantly, just be respectful of, of the seller's wishes. And there is a way with technology nowadays to make sure that you've got the ability as a buyer to be able to see that house. Um, if the seller is flexible or more flexible and is less concerned but wants to put certain things in place like, I want you to wear booties. I've seen that. You get to the house, I want you to wear booties, I want you to wear rubber gloves, um, and I also would like you to wear a mask. Um, then that's what we do to meet the wishes of the seller. And there's a way to get it done. And there's also that famous PEED form. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, when that first came out, my first thought is, there's no way anybody's going to go through all the trouble of reading this, signing this, and all that. But it, it's become totally accepted. Every day, yeah. Abs it's it's just a part of doing business. Yeah, and what the PEED form is, it stands for Property Entry Advisory Disclosure. Yep. And basically, the whoever is filling it out states that they have not been sick in the last 14 days yep. um, and that they haven't been in co uh, contact with anybody with COVID-19 and that they're safe to enter. They're doing it at their own risk yep. because uh, possibly the seller could have uh, right, could been have, a carrier. Could have been exposed. Yeah. So th actually the seller needs to sign those two saying they haven't been sick in yep. 14 days. It's, it's as much trouble as that is just to show a home. <laughs> it, it's been widely accepted. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, I've seen very little pushback at all. Yeah, and it's we've the first time I've crazy. ever been wrong when, yeah. I, when I didn't think it would not work. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, and then I think a really good tip that I heard is that sellers should leave all their lights on mm -hmm. and their interior doors open so that it limits what a buyer has to touch. Yeah. And actually, they should have been doing that. Should have been doing it in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially if it's not a last minute showing and the seller's at work or what have you. Um, but that's um, good best practice as mm -hmm. far as presenting your home um, in the best light, no pun intended. <laughs> I think you did intend that one. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was too out there. That was too, yeah. All right. So um, going back to, so it's important too for the buyers to, to look at all the pictures absolutely. and the videos that are on it because mm -hmm. a lot of work is going into those right now. Yeah, absolutely. Matterport is a, a photography technique that they use a, 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 it's a camera that the, they'll come out and they place the camera throughout the uh, the property and you'll notice this as and those of you that are listening that you you've been online and you've looked and there's these little circles on the floor and you just touch the circle and then it takes you from where you were to that new circle and then you can do a 360 within that so it's not a video it's a still photography or a still picture of the house but uh, that uh, an actual you could it could be as simple as doing it doing a virtual tour with your iPhone and walking through and describing the property might make some agents feel uncomfortable, but there's a way to get it done. You know what I, three things I really like about Matterport. One is that um, it also gives the floor plan. Absolutely. You get an overview of yep. what the floor plan is. Yep. And the other one is that you can uh, measure a room. Mm -hmm. uh, but here's the third thing I like yeah. about Matterport. So I didn't use Matterport until recently because of, uh, of this new environment. Right. So my last two listings sold, sold the day the Matterport 
came uh, Hit, it yeah. came to me. So it's kind of like that was Murphy's Law of Real Estate. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I spent the money on Matterport, <laughs> now it, it sells, and um, I didn't really need it. Proof positive, right? Right, right. Okay, so how about buyers? What 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 should they be doing in this environment to look for homes? Yeah, the the approach um, isn't all that different as far as buyers are concerned. I really don't believe it's number one. It's what do they feel comfortable with? I mean, first and foremost, just be respectful of your buyers, and it it requires sitting down and having a conversation with them. Do they feel comfortable going out? Um, and actually looking at properties. Do they feel that while they're out looking at properties that they need to have a mask? Um, and obviously now it's it's a requirement. Um, do they feel like they need to be wearing gloves? Do they feel like they need to be um, wearing booties? Um, you know, is someone in their family susceptible or more susceptible uh, because they've got underlying problems? Um, and that we need to make sure that we're same thing that we're looking at. Uh, hopefully, the house has Matterport photos. Hopefully, the house has a virtual tour. Um, it's just being respectful and making sure that you're accommodating the the sellers as well as the buyers, and that they feel comfortable and and most importantly safe. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good idea too that the buyers sit for a minute and do a little bit more research mm-hmm. before they they go look sure <clears throat> i had a um, example here that i went out and showed somebody a home and, and it square footage wise bedroom wise yeah. it all looked good so yeah. they wanted to go see it and the few pictures were really good we get out there it's in the wrong school district oh yeah so <laughs> it could have been the perfect house but right. they weren't gonna buy it anyway exactly yeah. so that told me that ah, as an agent, maybe I before I say, yeah, I'll, I'll go show that to you. I need to do a little more conversation. Yeah, no, it's a really good point, and I and I think that uh, you know buyers are excited. Uh, they're excited because this is a it's a huge purchase, and it's a and let's face it, there's a physiological response when they see photos online. And they get excited about hopping in the car and going to see a property. You know, your brain, your body. Um, uh, redu- or uh, chemicals are released, and so it's it's a fun thing, and people like that. And sometimes they get a little ahead of themselves. So you're exactly right. Uh, sitting down and having a conversation, um, making sure that it checks most all the boxes, and that really all you need to do is see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And even realtors have to be a little bit different right yeah, now sure. too. And, and I. I Two months ago, I would have told you the best way to go look for a house is get in my car and let's go drive and see three or four or five of them right in a row yep. so that you can compare more easily. That's what I used to say. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, even me, an old dinosaur has to change. <laughs> right. But I am. So. <laughs> right, right. We're all forced to, man. Yeah, yeah. So what's your best advice to a buyer? Uh, during this this time well um you know it's funny because again and i mentioned it earlier in the show that um a buyer always is looking for a deal um the deal really um isn't a softening as far as prices are concerned because that's not going to happen um now granted um you could be all you could all be calling me a liar because the longer that this plays out the greater the likelihood that it does have a greater effect as far as the housing market's concerned and a potential softening of prices. But right at the moment, 
um, do your homework. Uh, there's no shortage of resources online. Um, obviously, talk to your realtor. Your realtor should be the, the absolute best resource that you've got um, in terms of helping to set the right expectations given the, the economic climate, um, you know, the, the climate as far as the virus is concerned. But, you know, just do your homework um, and be more diligent. Now, here's a little statistic to, for those people that think prices are going to soften. Yeah. So I did this statistic from March 15th to April 15th. Mm -hmm. I purposely did not do the end of April because that just happened. Yeah. So all the stats aren't in yet. Yeah, sure. So I took um, a 30-day period of time, and I compared 2020 to 2019. Mm -hmm. the, um, the median sales price in 2019 was 272,000. This time during the pandemic, March 15th through April 15th, the average is 285. So it's up $13,000. That is not a softening. No, not at all. And and, and honestly, it's not surprising. I really, I I really am not surprised. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, if it goes long enough, it'll be just like my mother used to say, I told you so. (laughs) 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 Okay. And with that, we're going to go to our next commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio, we have Craig Barton of Valleywide Home Loans and Real Estate. And I just learned that you're a history, you were a history major or just a history buff? No, history major. I I graduated from Fresno State in 1990 with a uh, bachelor's in history. My intent was that I was going to teach, and I did teach for five years, and then uh, had an opportunity to get into uh, lending and jumped at it and never looked back. Me, I'm, I'm not a history major, yeah. but I'm a history buff. Yeah. I, I love it. And, yeah. and I think that we can learn so much from it. They say that those that don't pay attention to history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So speaking of that, does what we're going through right now remind you of anything else in history? You know, keep in mind, we have a uh, massive unemployment. We mm-hmm. have shelter in place. We have an unseen virus out there. Yeah. What in history does this remind you of? Yeah. So that's a really, really good question. Um, You know, uh, in the last market downturn that started in 2007, there was such great artificial demand that the moment that that and what created that Mm -hmm. demand was too many people having access to financing that they probably should not have had access to because you could just state what your income was. Um, and so when you leave it up to the consumer to say, well, I got that. Well, the, we didn't mm-hmm. and we learned from it. Demand came right out from under our feet. What I, what I think as far as what, what more closely matches this, and you brought it up earlier, you had mentioned um, during the break, um, 9-11. 9-11 because it was something that happened quick uh, we saw a, a dramatic increase as far as mortgage rates are concerned. Uh, back um, that during that time, we we had uh, the 125 percent loans. Um, that was a product that we haven't seen since I mean almost 20 years, um, and that was something that was super commonplace. I mean, there was tons of lenders out there making that 
type of loan. So if your property was worth $100,000, you could borrow $125,000 on it. Exactly. You could borrow, but there was limits and the limits were, and it's been so long, but the limits were like, you know, max loan amount was 25 grand or 35 grand. So they limited their exposure. So you couldn't just go hog wild. You had to qualify for it, but there was a maximum loan amount Mm -hmm. to help limit their exposure. Uh, It most closely feels like that. Now, as far as 30 plus million people applying for unemployment first time claims over the last six weeks, we've lost all the job gains that we've seen uh, since the last market crash in a six week period of time. Um, I don't know of any other time in history, maybe more closely uh, resembles the previous Great Depression um, around the market crash of 1929. Uh, So I think there's bits and pieces that resemble certain parts of history, uh, but no one event does it look like. Mm -hmm. So, um, and here's a perspective on the 30 million people that Mm -hmm. have applied for unemployment. Somebody said it to me this week. The, most of those people are not permanently unemployed. Yeah. They're right. just temporarily laid off. Right. Right. As long as their employer isn't affected so adversely that the employer can't come back into the market. And we see this, you know, we're seeing this all the time. People are being, employers are being faced with, I might not, might not be able to open the doors again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it depends upon that. And the more employers that can't come back into the market, then it's, it's not going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Also, adding to those figures of 30 million are, for the first time that I know of in history anyway, um, self-employed people can now apply for unemployment. Right. Never never before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never before. It's yeah. amazing. So that 30 million figure hopefully is not as bad as what it sounds. Right. That it's not going to end up end up being like in the last... Uh, you know, the last market downturn, that it's long and protracted. Yeah. Right. Boy, and I thought that the Great Recession of the late 2000, or, or um, 2007 through 10, let's mm-hmm. say, yep. or 11, yep. I I thought that came on quickly, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was slow compared to what we're seeing right now. Correct. It was the run-up. The run-up set, uh, I'd say the run-up starting in 2002, um, helped the buggy gain speed Mm -hmm. and when we got to the cliff in the beginning of 2007 the buggy just went right over it yeah and and back then and here's how i report it on on a sports station uh, because i'm a big baseball fan i say that two there was a five-year period of time where the housing industry was in the steroid era too oh yeah about the same time <laughs> right. home run hitters were right absolutely no you hit it and then we had another five years of sedative era yeah where they sedated the market right uh the lenders became overly strict overly oh, yeah. tough it was horrible absolutely horrible so speaking of lending do you see that happening right now sedation. Well, when you say sedation, um, I had mentioned it earlier in the broadcast that there are lenders because of the volatility in the market that, uh, and their, and the number of jobless claims that they are wanting to limit their exposure and they have, uh, they've increased their minimum credit score requirements. Yes. There's still, still some lenders out there, um, that haven't, or maybe they've adjusted their, uh, their minimum FICO requirement less than everyone else. Um, what we're what we're finding is those 
lenders that have large servicing portfolios are the ones that made the most dramatic jump as far as the increasing of those requirements um, to minimize risk. And those that didn't, in other words, they're more of a pass-through and that they don't service and they're just selling uh, that paper, those mortgage-backed securities, uh, they were they have been affected less. But we have seen that you know, the dust has started to settle. It's not back to normal as of yet. And it's going to take a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting when you say it's uh, minimizing risk. This reminds me of what the insurance companies have done the last few years. Because of all the fires. With the, yeah, yeah, with fire insurance. So if they had a large portfolio in Fresno County, right. let's say, then to minimize their risk, they became pickier. Mm-hmm. They started saying, nah, we don't take homes that have a, a, a wood shake roof. Absolutely. We, right. um, or we're going <laughs> to, I had on one of my rentals, they wanted to, they were going to deny it because there was a tree branch hitting the roof. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that took all of 10 minutes for to me fix. to take right. care of that. <laughs> right. But I mean, the, they would actually turn, turn away business for, uh, and I'm going to say that's a reason that they're, they're kind of making up because how many tree branches are touching how many roofs right right yeah right yep no i mean they could technically get rid of well i know here's the risk minimization the newer homes where the trees are only seven feet tall so far right yeah those are the ones they'll take yeah exactly (laughs) they're gonna be picky and choosy for sure yeah Yeah, but it got through the department of insurance yeah (laughs) this is a high risk (laughs) right so um some of the tightening of these rules that Mm -hmm. that we're seeing for example higher minimum scores fico scores do you see that let's say two months from now we're back to normal do you see that going back down? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. It, it will go back down, absolutely. Um, once the uh, servicers and those lenders have more data, mm-hmm. uh, it will absolutely go back down. But it's again, it's these indicators are lagging, so it takes time for them to get the data. And the sooner they get the data, the sooner, the sooner that they are able to plan for the future. And uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, and I don't know how quickly. We've seen some loosening. And so it, we, it was a very volatile four or five week period of time uh, starting beginning of March. Uh, and we've seen some loosening and we've also seen mortgage rates come back down. You know, the feds uh, beginning of I think it was March 15th, 16th, um, committed to purchasing just large tranches of mortgage backed securities in order to provide greater liquidity in the market because they weren't they were just not they weren't selling. And so um, that has helped in a big way. The feds are averaging about. $10 billion in purchases on a daily basis of mortgage-backed securities. So it's helped, mm-hmm. for sure. Interesting, you would say, about the um, the data lagging. Mm-hmm. That is important. And, and I want you to know that on this show, we're trying to be aware of that. You notice that I didn't report solds uh, for the month of March, yeah. because, or, or even the month of April, right. because a lot of those started pre-pandemic. Right, absolutely. Yeah. It's that wave prior to. Well, in 30 seconds or less, give us your best lending advice. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Uh, Nothing much has changed as far as how you prepare um, and set the right expectations when it comes time for getting pre-approved. 
assessing where the market is is extremely important and it's specific to your individual situation. So you just need to go through and don't treat this situation any differently, but understand where the market's at. And hopefully your lender will do a good job of educating you, helping to set the right expectation and letting, know, letting you know where you're at, just like they always have. Um, and there may be some special rules that might affect you momentarily. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Craig Barton. Always and, happy to be here, Don. Ah, great. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back next Saturday. Thank you very much.